BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The White Sox Talk podcast brought to you, as always, by Wintrust Community Bank, home of White Sox checking with free ATMs nationwide. Find out more by going to their special White Sox page, www.wintrust.com slash socks. All right, you hear that? That is the sound of baseball's hot stove, a blizzard of inactivity. Most of the top free agents and trade candidates remain frozen in this polar vortex, leaving the baseball offseason at a standstill. But the White Sox did make a trade last week. Not as big as some were thinking or hoping as the news trickled out, but a sleuth move by Rick Hahn to help the bullpen did occur. We'll get to that. But the main topic on the podcast today is a White Sox trade that would immediately make this hot stove season feel like Miami Beach. Chuck Gardfine here with Chris Kampka. We're going to be joined by Phil Rogers, baseball columnist from MLB.com, who is doing whatever he can to heat things up with his story that the White Sox should trade for Christian Yelich. And Chris, you've been pushing this idea for a while. You did this on the podcast like back in August the Sox should get Yelich. Well, sure. I mean, the idea was, what was our 2020 lineup going to be? Or was it 2019? One of the two. Yeah, 2020, I think. And I said, yeah, so let's trade for Yelich and sign Machado. And um, that would have required um, Anderson being one of the pieces to go over there because we'd switch Machado over short. And, uh, yeah, August. And here we are. And, and it's actually, there's some people talking about this. So this is great. Um, I'm all in favor of it. I would say it's a low percent chance it gets done, but it's fun to talk about, and it certainly fits. Well, here's what we know. The White Sox and Marlins did discuss Yelich. The White Sox made an offer. The Marlins rejected it because they want, like, a huge, huge return. So if you're the White Sox, how much are you willing to trade? How much is too much? And is Christian Yelich worth all these prospects? Well, we're going to talk with Phil Rogers about that and a whole lot more, including this ice-cold hot stove season. This is the White Sox Talk podcast. Let's do it. All right, Christian Yelich could be the answer to this entire rebuild if the White Sox were able to get him. And by the way, uh, if I don't sound so much myself, uh, strep throat, not good for the voice. Phil Rogers. Not good for anything. I mean, strep throat is like one L stop short of pneumonia. I don't know if you know that, Chuck. So maybe so, I shouldn't be here right now. Well, that was a good thing. I assume you've gotten some medical care. I have. That was a very good thing. I'm, they probably gave you some antibiotics. Antibiotics. I'm no longer ones. contagious, so which is good. I, My I immune system is shot, however, so maybe I shouldn't even be here right now. Are you sick? Are any of you guys sick? Chris, are you doing I'm okay? coming off a little thing. You're coming off a little thing? Yeah. Everybody in Chicago is <laughs> sick. For, for me, it was... Uh, Ten days before Christmas. That was yeah. That was my week to lay on the couch. Yeah, for me, it's whenever there's a temperature change. Oh, that doesn't happen here in Chicago. Well, I mean, well, right after Christmas, we went straight down south in New Orleans. Yeah, oh, 50, you did. Okay. Fifty degrees, and then come back here for five. I'll do it every time. Yeah, I think I've got about a half hour in me before I have to go lie down again. So let's do it, okay? So Christian Yelich, a lot to like. 
I mean, a left-handed bat, all-star outfielder. He won a gold glove his rookie season in left field. He's a center fielder now. He's 26 years old. He's under team control for five years, $58 million. He's a leader, charismatic. If you're the White Sox, why wouldn't you try to trade for him? Yeah, he's he just turned 26. Um, I saw him play last year with Team USA in the World Baseball Classic. Long before that, I had been a big fan of him as a uh, as a hitter and a complete player. Um, there is some knock on him in center field. The metrics aren't great. It's possible um, he'll he has five years of control on his contract. So it's it's a little bit like the Chris Sale deal in reverse. I actually Jose look at it as like almost like Adam Eaton might be the, the the comp because he had what five years, didn't he? Yeah, and uh, it's four and an option for Yelich and. You know, he may spend most of that time in left field, but if so, he'll be uh, maybe the best left fielder in the game. He'll be certainly one of them. He's a, um, you know, he's kind of what Alex Gordon used to be billed as, and Alex Gordon kind of stopped to hit, but he was the best fielder and a really good hitter. Uh, the White Sox saw that plenty of times with the Royals, with Gordon coming in. And what I like about Yelich is, you know, he is. I think a leader type guy, you know, not a rah-rah guy, but I really think with five years of control at age 26, he can be in the White Sox rebuild there, Anthony Rizzo. And, you know, that's probably a stupid thing to say about anybody given the impact that Rizzo has had. Uh, but, you know, Jose Abreu, great player. I, I think, you know, I can see him being productive two years from now and still being a guy that the White Sox want to keep. But, his age between him and the young guys coming in is pretty extreme. And I think one of the values that Rizzo's had for the Cubs is that he's a veteran, but he's also still a kid. Yeah. And he's been able to be a perfect bridge for Chris Bryan and all those other guys. And I don't know if it's an either, if it's an either or thing, but if you compare Machado and Yelich, who knows if you're going to be able to get Machado. You have to spend $300 million for him. You get Yelich, you have to give up a lot of prospects. I mean, that's not just nothing, but at least you know you can get him. I think that seems to be more attainable. What do you well, think? Well, according, you know, what you think, but it's going to be tough to pry from the Marlins because I think they're in the mindset where they need to make up for the fact that they can get any top 100 prospects for Stanton and Ozuna. Um, and that's a big deal. But one thing I do like, and Phil said, um, liking him to Alex Gordon. One parallel I can make is if you take him out of that environment, the power is going to play a lot more. Um, in his major league career, <clears throat> 59 home runs, 41 of them on the road. Really? Okay. Yeah, so Marlins Park hurt his power, as it does to many batters except Giancarlo Stanton. Um, but if you bring him here, you'll see a little more. I mean, now, he was a guy who had some power concerns and there were some questions as to whether or not he could hit 20 home runs in the season. And he made a local radio host eat crow, literally. Uh, I think there was a deal where he said, oh, I could, hit I could hit 20 home runs. The guy said he couldn't. And he ate crow. Literally uh, ate crow. Ate crow. Um, so ate crow? Li literally ate a crow? Like a uh, bird? Yes, that's correct. Right. I, I read an article about that. As, uh, <laughs> Chuck, one, one thing picking up on what Chris said, yeah. too. Um, I think, I mean, to be a Marlin long before the Stanton trade was one of the weirdest experiences in baseball. Yeah. I mean, the ownership bought, sold. You never knew what they were going to do. 
and you were in a division with really good teams and whether you really honestly on spring training believed you could be a contender a playoff team dubious and you know I think with the volume of good young players the White Sox are getting with this financial flexibility they may not sign Manny Machado because there's going to be 10 top tier teams trying to do it uh, but they have so much financial flexibility that they're going to be aggressive and active in future free agent markets um, and so I think you're going to get Yelich turbocharged because now he's in this phase of his career where it's about winning and I think I think that's part of what makes him so valuable where he goes is that he's going to embrace not unlike what we saw with Anthony Rizzo and the Cubs you know he's going to embrace the growth and the you know the He'll chance be the that symbol it's of, leading somewhere. Yes. All right so you wrote this article saying the White Sox should trade for Yelich and you came up with an idea of a return, what this they should offer for Yelich. What did you come up with? Well, I mean, the, my thought is, you know, I mean, it, it's going to be an expensive proposition to get him. And it's possible that they will just say, if we're dealing with the White Sox, we're going to have to get Yoan Moncada, Michael Kopech, Aloy Jimenez, somebody on that level. And one it, of the three or something. One of the three. But, it, but you know, if they're saying that, there's probably not going to be a deal because I really believe in Rick Hahn means it when he says he's not going to trade these guys for shortcuts. But the White Sox have such a wealth of those guys, and as Chris points out, the Marlins have none that I think the White Sox have a chance to do a trade without trading any of their uh, MLB pipeline top three prospects, which would also include, um, who did I leave off? Robert. Uh, Luis Robert. Yeah. Um, who's the mystery man because nobody's really seen him yet, but the White Sox committed $50 million to get him. So he's going to be an impactful uh, guy in the White Sox yeah, rebuild. Do you think, the, especially after the trade that the Marlins made that was so unpopular with Stanton and Ozuna, would Derek Jeter be like, you know what, I'm just not going to ask for too much. I don't want any of the top three prospects with the White Sox. That's good for me. I can't see them saying, but he, we here's, would do it. here's how you make it make sense. Okay. And. Um, you put a major league guy in it. If Carlos Rodon was healthy, I would put Carlos Rodon in it myself he's because not he's not healthy. <laughs> uh, if he was, though, you know, it's dubious how much he's going to have left by the time he really gets healthy and taps into his career. He was a guy the Marlins infamously passed on to take Tyler Kopech in the draft, which is how the White Sox got him. Um, Tim Anderson, you hope they like Tim Anderson, and this really isn't meant as a knock on Tim Anderson, but I think you got to put a young major leaguer in it. Um, you know, Tim Anderson didn't have a great year last year, uh, but there's still a lot of reasons to like him. He was almost three war two years ago in his first full season, or it wasn't even a full season, first no, season. No, um, And, you know, and along with that, I, I use the top 100 prospects the White Sox have who aren't the top three. They, the White Sox now have six in the MLB pipeline, top 100. So I say, and, and Lucas Giolito isn't included because he's a big leaguer now. I would be willing to talk about Giolito. Uh, but my trade offer was Anderson, but it could have been Giolito. Uh, and then I put in uh, the Marlins getting Blake Rutherford, good good outfield prospect the White Sox got from 
the Yankees, and then um, either Dylan Cease or Alec Hansen. I mean, they'd probably surely take Alec Hansen. He's a big buzz guy. Baseball America right. just made him their number three. He could, you know, he's one of the top age 23 and under pitching prospects in baseball. And, and anybody they take immediately becomes the Marlins' best prospect because they don't have a top 100 either. And then you go to guys the White Sox have that are good prospects that aren't top 100 prospects. And I put Zach Collins in there. That could be a mistake. Because, yeah, there's your catcher of the future. Uh, I'm not sure he's your catcher of the future, but he's a really good hitter. He's a guy that understands the strike zone. He's he's. If he's now. You're going with uh, that guy, Sebi. Uh, Sebi Savala. Savala. Maybe it's Wellington Castillo. Maybe he's starting an eight-year run. I I don't know. Okay. But uh, you know, you got to give something to get something, and uh, he's University of Miami guy. I think that might have a, a little uh, bit. You know, and they also have. <clears throat> Dane Dunning, University of Florida pitcher. Which, send all your Florida guys. Well, you know, that, that <laughs> probably has about a scintilla of extra value when the, yeah. the Marlins evaluators put that together. Um, but I think you can do it kind of with a strength in numbers offer where you're sending the Marlins. You know, you've got to beat whatever the best offer is out there for him. Right, well, here, here's a crazy idea. And uh, I, I am so excited to see Eloy Jimenez play for the White Sox. But... We know what Christian Yelich can do in the major leagues. We don't know what Eloy Jimenez can do in the major leagues. Is it too risky to put Eloy Jimenez in a trade for Christian Yelich? Yes. Okay. Um, that's the number one prospect. Um, it, it, going through a rebuild, I think you're very reluctant to do that. I like what Phil, Phil's idea is if you give two of those top 100s to the Marlins in a deal, automatically they've acquired their top two prospects in a deal. That's not a bad thing. And then you throw in Anderson, who the Marlins are hurting up the middle. I mean, they're oh, projected. Who's their shortstop? Uh, JT Riddle. Hey. And Tim he Anderson. actually hit last year. He's he, not, he not very good I didn't in the field. See that. Late in the year. Okay, he actually, late in the year. Okay. Riddle could form a, a keystone combination with Starlin Castro. <laughs> interesting, isn't that? Yeah, that is interesting. And Castro, by the way, this is going to be his seventh major league manager. And he's, he was born in 1990. Amazing. That's crazy. But yeah, I mean, you can't you can't trade Jimenez, but I do like that. Um, you know, you have six of those guys, and you can Rutherford and Hanson if you want to do those two. You know, Anderson, that's intriguing. And even if you did Zach Collins too, yeah. Zach Collins could very easily be their th third best prospect with the other two. Um, Collins might even be their number one if you were to give him to the Marlins right now. I mean, you know, I mean, that's if that's Chuck, powerful. If you're going to take a risk trading Jimenez, yeah, then get their catcher, T.J. Real Muto, back. Yes. And then the White Sox have their catcher of the future. Um, Jimenez, I mean, there are people who will drop a young uh, Mike before Giancarlo Stanton comp on Aloy Jimenez. That's how great his yeah. power is. So, you know, for the Marlins, for the Marlins to recoup a, a future Stanton after trading Stanton, that would be a – that would be a 500-foot home run in Miami. But I think um, – I mean, the Sox are not going to trade him. And, and one other thing, just since you mentioned – I just want to bring it since up. Since you mentioned Jimenez, yeah. one other thing that sets him apart from um, uh, maybe Javier Baez is somewhat like this, but uh, Aloy Jimenez's English is great. He worked his rear off in with the Cubs Academy yeah. to learn English, you know. And Javier Baez spent a lot of time in Jacksonville, Florida. It's not like he was uh, grew up in the Dominican. 
And I think Aloy Jimenez, more than, you know, I think he's going to be a special guy that will fans will get their arms around him. Yeah. I think he'll be a really good guy in the clubhouse with people of all cultures. And I think he's a special guy. You don't trade him. Okay, did you put together, Chris, a trade package for Yelich? What would it take? If you were Rick Hahn, what would you say to Derek Jeter to get Yelich to the south side? Well, I was kind of thinking about that back in um, August, and Phil's just kind of reinforcing it. Tim Anderson going there is great. Okay. And then you add in you add in an outfielder like Rutherford. And, I, you know, I, just think, I think it's great. That works. And then you give him a, a pitcher, maybe a – Maybe a cease, you know, mm-hmm. that that would do it. Um, He's a top what, maybe, five Maybe prospect, another guy lower in the White prospect. Sox top 30. Um, for example, you know, um, Ian Clarkin, for example. I mean, just throw a name, another name from the lower part of it. I think that that would be something you start to get it working. But what if, I mean, so what I'm hearing is that the, way, uh, the Marlins want to hit a grand slam with this. Yeah, I mean, so that's, that's why. So that's not a grand slam offer. They're well, going to want a Aloy Jimenez, a Michael Kopech, and somebody else. So do you make the trade, Phil Rogers? No, you don't You don't give up those. <laughs> you don't give up. As, and I love Yelich, but, you know, you, with what the White Sox have done to get to this point in the rebuild, you got to see how those guys play out. Um, so, no, you don't do it. And you use your financial resources to go get you a Yelich as a free agent. Uh, but his age... And his control, he is a really, really special guy in, in this market. Not unlike Stanton, when, when the, this uh, cold stove season started, yeah, you know, Stanton was the big name on it, and now it's kind of switched um, to Yelich. Okay. I mean, Yelich even gives you the uh, possibility of hitting him at the leadoff spot in the order, which is pretty valuable. And he's valuable. left-handed. Yeah, and there's that. I love that, everything about this guy. Everything from oh, yeah. top to bottom. But that's why it's going to cost boxes. so much. Okay, I know. I know it's the White Sox podcast. Okay. But Chris just mentioned an interesting word. You know, there's been some talk with the Cubs about Christian Yelich, and part of the appeal is he You've would got be ten, their ten more seconds. He would be their leadoff guy. He's like a career <laughs> right. 370 on mm-hmm. base percentage. That's he right. gets on base and hits with power. He's a very complete player. We'll see what happens. But uh, oh, and the other thing I found was interesting was, um, you know, if the Sox are able to make a monster trade, trade, and you, you, they get, well. The, what do you think the chances are that Yelich gets traded? How about we just close with this? I think they're better than you'd think, and here's why. Okay. Um, they don't have to trade him, but I don't think he's going to be Jose Quintana, who when the White Sox didn't trade him with Chris Sale, came to camp just like normal. You know, It's going to be a story all the time. And he During wants the season out. as well. He wants yeah. out. You know, I mean, Jose Quintana never said he wanted out. And for... What they're trying to do, and also don't overlook the fact that the cost savings is very real. And that's something the White Sox could do also in this is the Marlins have bad contracts. The White Sox, I mean, we just saw them with the trade they made last week take on contracts, and they can still do it. And the Marlins have a couple of one-year guys, and then they have Martin Prado that has two years left, and I, I kind of think Martin Prado could be a decent player for somebody. So you could take one of those back you know, and let the Marlins save um, $15 million in a trade, and that has value to the Marlins too because right. they're, they're getting the payroll to $90 million or below is very real. All right, so if the Marlins don't trade Yelich this offseason, 
you could see maybe the White Sox getting back into this come the trade deadline. Um, <laughs> no. Possibly. I mean, the, the one trade that, that, that it would parallel would be, uh, to me, the weirdest trade when it was made was Toronto Blue Jays trading Scott Rowland uh, to the Cincinnati Reds. And I'm like, the Reds stunk. Why, why are they getting Scott Rowland? But they were on the verge of that run that they made when they had a pretty good starting rotation, and they, you know, they got two or three uh, contending years with Scott Rowland there, and it turned out to be a really smart trade. So it would be somewhat similar to that. But in, you know, if he's not traded now, it, it might he might be there for all of next year. I mean, there's it's similar to Quintana. Yeah. There's just no uh, deadline on when they have to trade him. Yeah, my feeling is. It's not going to happen this offseason, but I think if I'm the White Sox, I want to see more of my guys. What, what do I really have? And they might have more than they realize. And give them a few more months of baseball this next season, and come June or July, you're like, you know what? We can now afford – maybe Mike Rodolfo is the next Aloy Jimenez, and we don't even realize it. And by July, we're thinking, you know, his value is – has skyrocketed and maybe they can make a deal with Well, that's Yelich. the thing the potential deal for Yelich is a luxury because you still have a bunch of guys that you know you're in a rebuild and you want to you know, gain more and more and more and stockpile the talent and that's the White Sox should continually be doing I've been saying this that they can't just be building a 25-man roster they need reinforcements triple-a they need to have a very solid bench yeah so I mean the rebuild you need to go further than you might think and also, it's great to get Scott Rowland mentioned in another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, he wants him in the Hall of Fame. One, uh, I, I'll, leave, I'll let that be his case. But the uh, one other advantage to a Yelich deal for the White Sox now is it lets the market and players especially. It would resonate in other clubhouses, and it lets that big free agent class of 2018, it let, lets guys know they're not going to go there and then – Jose Abreu is going to be traded, and you know, I mean, it really makes a statement, and I think it would make the White Sox an easier sell uh, to attractive free agents after next season. But you also wouldn't have the prospects that you have right now. But then again, I go back to this. I used to always say, prospects are prospects. Players, major league players, are major league players. You know, how are all these prospects going to do once they get to the big leagues? So there is that part of me from. 2015 and 16 and before who was like you know what trade them all give me Yelich but now that we've been following all these prospects for the last few years we're kind of tied to them emotionally and that's fine though to always take a step back and remember that a finished product is a finished product yes that's I mean what it, it's just that you can go on both sides of things it's fun it's fun to actually have that to go to yeah but I'm trying to be Rick Hahn right now mm -hmm. <laughs> and make that call and Hearing what the Marlins want, I mean, they want so much. I'm not but sure the, I'm willing to go that far. But the great part about being Rickon is that you have all the riches, and all the teams want these kind of prospects. You can sit back and wait for the right deal. Yeah, and maybe this isn't the one, or maybe it is. Flip, flipping, flipping it from the other side, yeah. at the winter meetings, not 2017, but in 16. I didn't think the Boston Red Sox would ever trade Yohan Moncada because they had a 50-plus million-dollar investment in him. He had just gotten to the big leagues. Um, but they had they had Moncada and they had Andrew Benintendi. And then one day at the winter meetings, somebody told me the Red Sox are willing to trade Moncada. 
And then, so it's like, well, then Chris Sale's in play. And the next day, Chris Sale was traded to the, uh, to the Red Sox. And probably three days before that, uh, they weren't going to trade Moncada. What Something, happened? Um, you know, I think you just get to the point where you, you make a decision. It's not that you have to make a decision, but you just get to the point where you make a decision. And there could come a time between now and when the uh, equipment truck and Miami <laughs> leaves for that short drive up to Jupiter, um, when when they say we're gonna get we're gonna do everything we can do this winter and have a clean slate when we get to spring training and not have this over us, and when that if that day comes, you want to have the best offer on the table because then they're, they're you're gonna get Christian Yelich then and you might get him for what we're saying now they won't take. I, I, I kind of think that's what's going to happen. I think the Marlins are going to decide it's not good to have a popular player that doesn't like the franchise. And I, I think they're going to get to the point sometime in the next month when they just say, what can we get? And they take the best offer. Okay, and if that happens, I'm going to guess Rick Hahn will make another phone call. Coming up. Well, Han set out to fix the bullpen this offseason. Did he get a steal in that three-team trade with the Dodgers and Royals? Plus, why is the hot stove so darn cold? And my voice is kind of holding up. I'm actually surprised. Much more on the White Sox Talk podcast. Brought to you by Wintrust in a moment. Keep your money local. Bring it home to a Wintrust community bank. Home of White Sox checking with free ATMs nationwide. Find out more at Wintrust.com slash socks, members FDIC. Hi, guys. I'm Tara Lipinski. And I'm Johnny Weir. Guess what, Johnny? What? The Winter Olympics are right around the corner. And what does that mean? That means we get to see Sean White, Michaela Schifrin, and other top Team USA athletes conquer fresh snow and ice this February on NBC. So make sure you're ready. Sign up for NBC Sports and Olympics emails by texting POD to 66866. Or you can visit NBCOlympics.com slash newsletters to receive the latest athlete updates, giveaways, and more. Message and data rates may apply. Winter is here. All right, so last Thursday, our newsroom was buzzing after ESPN's Jerry Krasnick sent out a tweet that said, the Dodgers and White Sox are working on a trade. Stay tuned. Our imaginations went to many different places, didn't it, Chris Kamka? That we was didn't know fun, him. wasn't it? Yeah, we were thinking, oh, they're, they're going to, are they acquiring Puig, <laughs> Matt Kemp? There was a Jock Peterson 10-minute period, uh, which was preceded by the Yasiel Puig 10-minute period. It was jubilation for all of us. And then we weren't disappointed when, when the actual trade went down. But it wasn't as big and explosive. As no, it, it never is. But, yeah. well, but did you see that tweet? Or did I, you? Yeah, I was actually doing uh, uh, your show. Um, oh, you were here that time. I, oh, that's I was right. Here. You were here. I was here, and there was in- interruption. Uh, pr- producer, have you seen this tweet? Kaplan threw it up on there. Um, you know, I I don't think Jake Peter had crossed anybody's mind until he was uh, right there on the on the trade. Yeah, well, you know, after the Christian Yelich interest, I think Jake Peter probably second in Major League Baseball uh, interest right now, wouldn't you say? Well, it's picked up since the <laughs> Rule Five draft when yep. Jake yes, Peter yes. was available and not selected by the Dodgers and 29 other teams. Well, what does that say about this haul, if you want to call it a haul, that, that Han got? Because they thought they are going to lose him in the Rule 5 draft, and now what does he get in return for him? He gets two bullpen arms and $3 million in cash for him. Well, it, obviously that was uh, 
He's really glad nobody took him for 50000 in the Rule 5 draft. There's no question about that. But what did he um, get in, in Soria and Avilan? He got major league arms. And, you know, um, I believe the number is seven relief pitchers that were traded away last season. That accounts Tyler Clippard, who was acquired and traded. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I was just doing a, a little reading and something that popped out to me uh, since then. Three non-tendered in November. So, you know, and, and Rick has said from his last, the end of last September, you know, I'm going to have to go build a bullpen yes. because I traded one, an entire bullpen away. And no question he did. And, uh, you know, they, um, both of these guys have some control. Um, you know, a Avalon. Oh, when you say control, like team control yeah. or like control with no, their pitches? No, team, team, you can have them for quite a while. Luis Avalon who was on the Dodgers roster for the division series, taken off for the championship series, having trouble throwing strikes. Yeah. Um, he's like a, a two-plus player, I think, Chris. I think he's maybe he four was, years of team control. You know, uh, Maybe a first-year arbitration eligible this year, I think. I and, see. you know, Soria has an option, which everyone right. assumes won't be picked up. But if he were to come out and have a great first half of the year, Suddenly, that would make him even more attractive in trade. Right. White Sox fans it's, want him to be there's, Swarzak. There's a, yeah, well, that's the thing. Yeah. Um, that's a dual, dual purpose. Now, but but, it, but if he's going to be Swarzak, does that mean his changeup has to be like 72 instead of his fastball 90, 97? I mean, flippable. Yeah. Right. You have that, right? <laughs> flippable. Yes. If they turn out to be great. Um, at the very least, you have a young rotation. And they're not going to go. A young rotation? You mean bullpen? No, he means rotation. Okay. Rotation. They're not going to go seven, eight innings every time out. Oh, you need okay. guys to get in there and work some innings. Yeah. Um, now, Avilan profiles is more of a lefty specialist, but you know that has a purpose and that has value. And I mean, Soria, yeah, his, his, his peak is behind him, but still serviceable. Oh yeah, I mean, his strikeout um, rate's really good. Mm -hmm. Ground ball rate was really good last year. So there's value there. Um, trade him if you can. If not, they're there to take some innings from a young rotation. And Chris, what Chris said about innings is a really good point. You know, I mean, especially when, you know when you're talking about Reynaldo Lopez, Lucas Giolito, Palmer, maybe. Yeah, uh, you know, all of these guys that are really getting first long stretches in the big leagues. You know, if if they come out after five innings and they've pitched well. You know, you don't want it to all get blown up in the sixth and seventh inning. So, mm -hmm. I, you know, I think there's a responsibility, really, as you develop uh, starting pitchers to have an, an adequate bullpen to help them out. And you look at the names on paper, it's still not really an adequate bullpen. I know there. <laughs> they, one thing that came out after that was uh, how much how much importance they're projecting onto Nate Jones, yeah. which would have been appropriate before he was injured, but, you know, it seems like a roll of the dice yeah, that he'll come if back Zach from injury. Yeah, imagine was healthy, that would be a whole, that bullpen looks a whole lot different. I still think the bullpen can use a guy who's maybe a failed starter, come in three innings at a time every now and then, just yeah. in case there's the there's a disastrous start. I they think didn't the really have, yeah, a good long reliever. They should have a couple of those, I think two of them, and I think every team should, but... Yeah. Um, that, that seems to be lacking what the White Sox have here. Okay, so good trade, I think. What do you think see the White Sox doing? Because, well, we've been asking this question for, like, what, eight weeks now? And it's been in terms of signing a, a free agent starter because 
nothing's happened because the, the hot stove has been so cold. Let's try to predict the future. We got, what, 59 days until spring training starts, something like that? What's going to happen? Well, I think they will continue to try to accumulate pitching depth. And it, I mean, it could be a fifth starter, although the market is pretty thin. Hector Santiago, um, whoever I like, Hector, bring him back. Um, you know, the best guy that, to my mind, that would really fit for them is uh, Vargas, who was with the Royals. But, you know, those guys are looking for contracts. Maybe roll the dice in a one year deal with Anibal Sanchez and just see if something happens to click. I mean, they, they, it was sort of the Derek Holland model from last year. Yeah. And while they weren't able to flip Derek Holland, he played a nice role for them. And he was a good uh, concierge teammate for their uh, younger guys, for the, especially the, you know, the young starters. So I think bringing in the right guy like that with a low, uh, val, you know, low money deal and Maybe some more relievers too. I think they'll. I think they'll add more pitching for sure. When is this uh, offseason going to start heating up? Maybe never. How about that? <laughs> uh, I, we're really that can't close. be an answer. We're really close to. Uh, I think the players' association starting to make plans to have its own spring training camp. We've seen that in the past for unsigned free agents. But that was because of the strike, though. It, wasn't it? Um, it was <clears throat> a labor-related situation. We're not in that situation. We, we aren't. But if you look around, I think I heard the number is only still under 40 maybe of free agents signed out of 150 to 180 depending on that's yeah. like where you draw the line of the players have that's been about signed. yeah that's about the same number i saw right uh, so you know you got a lot of guys that are gonna either be working out with their high school teams or doing something and and it makes sense to have a central place where teams can go i know it makes sense to have that it doesn't make sense that we've reached that uh, point you know, well, Here's my why. Um, general managers are a lot different deal makers, decision makers than they used to be. I mean, you know, I started covering baseball in 1984, and the history of baseball is owners make trades while going to the bathroom. I mean, that used to happen, and they trade for the wrong guys. You know, the Texas Rangers owner uh, once uh, wanted Damaso Garcia, and he traded for Domingo Ramos. Uh, and and those kind of things used to happen all the time. And you know the GMs were former players. They loved the action. They would make trades. But now they probably weren't even sober half the time. Well, I mean, I'm I'm sure deals were made when when without sobriety. But <laughs> um, you know now you've got guys that are somewhere between uh, MBAs and lawyers, and they're they're staffed by Guys that if they're a lawyer, they have an MBA right next to them. If they're an MBA, they have a lawyer right next to them. And, you know, they're patient deal makers and they don't do dumb deals. And, you know, I think there's a lot of good free agents still available. Lorenzo Cain ought to be able to go someplace and, and, and help somebody. And, you know, it's not just the it's not just the Moustakas, Hosmers that you can say this guy's asking for too much money. People said Alex Cobb was asking for $20 million. I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of good free agents that are still out there. And, I, you know, there will be a run of signings. Um, but I just think Chris, you know, Chris is loves his prospects. And, and there are a lot of Chris's out there. And, and they've begun to shift to work for teams. And the mindset, teams value their own minor league 
uh, and they're under 25 players more than they do just rolling the dice on uh, Johnny Gomes just to throw a name out there. Right, right, right. You know, those guys, uh, you know. Um, I think the, th the first name that I Shane saw. Shane Victorino. Those guys used to get signed right off the bat every right. winter. The first time, the, 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 when it shifted for me was when Jermaine Dye had to retire because he had a, one bad second half of his last year. He couldn't even get a. He could only get like a minor league contract after that. He was still a great player. Consider this. I think he hit 27 home runs in his final major league season. Yeah. Can you name the players that had more home runs or the same amount in their final major league season? It's going to be it's David Ortiz, Barry Bonds, Ted Williams, and, yeah. and, and, and Dave Kingman. Right. So he, here, here was a guy who was like, this guy should get a contract, and everyone wanted to keep their minor league players and not spend the whatever it was going to be, $8 million <clears throat> well, on Jermaine Dye at that's, the time? That's a decent thing to talk about real quick that, yeah. that dynamic that there's so much money in baseball players the salaries it's at four million dollar average salary this last year and so many guys I don't know what the number was making over 10 million last year but it was over a hundred and those guys now when when they have to when their salaries get bumped you know when to go from 10 million to 2 million like I my sources told me Jermaine Dye had a three million dollar offer he could have he could have taken he could have played, but he'd have been making less than twenty five percent what he made the yeah. year before, yeah. and I think that mindset's out there a lot too with guys that have, they don't really have to do it financially, and you know the pride of you know these guys hate me you know I don't want to go play if baseball thinks I stink. Yeah, well he was making probably what thirteen million, in his last year, and 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 he had to go down to three million. I mean that's. Yeah, I could see why he wouldn't want to. World Series MVP. <laughs> yeah. I, have some, I have some thoughts on this. Um, I think a lot of teams don't want to go that extra year anymore. Um, like Kane, for example. He's on the free agent market. He's 31. Um, do you think that in the future there might be a shift in the number of controllable years so that players don't reach free agency when they're like a little past their prime? Yeah, it'd be better if they were twenty, all 27 years old when they I mean, because the, uh, there's the a delay in signings. It's, something's got to give here, right? But what you're talking about would be a concession from players to give up. Um, well, you know, you're talking about a concession from owners to get free agency earlier in the process, right? right? Um, you know, the original, the original thought there uh, was... Just make them all free agents. There were people that argued against the arbitration system and said, just make them all free agents every year. And then, uh, you know, we'll see. We can control. We can pick and choose. It'll be like an a la carte menu. And you find the guys you like. You keep them. Um, but salary arbitration kind of became the, the second part of baseball's economic model. And it's really played out for the player's advantage. Mm. Um, I do think, Chris, I think Chris is on to something. I, I think, you know, this baseball's had a lot of labor peace, and I'm really glad we're in the early parts of a labor contract. I think there's five years left after starting this year, four or five. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the players' union, I think there will be some uh, pushback from the players' union uh, and from, you know, just from players about, 
this system isn't isn't serving us uh, because there's been so many examples of these guys who maybe that maybe you can maybe you later. can put in a system with some dates where things have to be done earlier in the winter no maybe. i would yeah. love that how about I mean, they have a trade deadline in the middle of the season how about a trade deadline in the off season and it's obviously a give and take i mean if you, you concede one thing you've got to give something else so yeah um another random thought you take all these free agents there's so many available if you just put put a team together of them They'd be able to contend, wouldn't That's they? That's a great team. Be right the, now? They'd be the uh, Las Vegas Knights of the uh, of Major and, League Baseball. And they do pretty well, i got to think. I'd watch them. I mean, J.D. Martinez and Lorenzo oh. Cain in their outfield right Haus away. Stockus. Hosmer was Stockus. Oh, the rotation would be Darvish, Arietta. Lance Lynn, Alex Cobb. Yeah. I mean, that would be a pretty strong team. That would be a really good team. Jonathan Lucroy behind the dish. Uh, I'd sign me up for that. Well, hey, thanks for coming on, Phil. We appreciate it. That was fun. I don't know if we uh, solved the uh, the Yelich issue, but um, I think we're we're on our, our on our way to. Uh, come, I don't know. I don't know. But did we make any progress here? Yeah, absolutely. And we've we've got the White Sox uh, getting more relief pitchers, backing <laughs> up. You know, getting uh, uh, you know Lucas Giolito a, a little bit of help. By the Chris Lucas Giolito BABIP, I saw it the other day. It alarmed me. His BABIP last year was like 190-something. Is is really is, low. Is sustainable uh, success? No, I, I don't think so. All right, topic because, for the ne next time. Okay, well. Lucas Giolito BABIP. It was like Giolito's BABIP to pitching as it was for obvious for batting. Both of them are going to probably, you know. Yeah, but he wasn't throwing his curveball, right? Yeah, but the strikeout numbers are a little alarming. You know, yeah. there's too many balls in play. Yeah, that's and, true. And there's a lot of plays being made on them. And hence the really low BABIP. in that Yelich trade. <laughs> Not too late. All right, the White Sox Talk Podcast brought to you by Wintrust Community Bank, home of White Sox check-in with free ATMs nationwide. Find out more at www.wintrust.com slash socks, and we'll see you next time. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.